Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey. My name's Otis Gray, and you're listening to Sleepy. podcast where I read old books to help you get to sleep, and a proud member of the Airwave Podcast Network. Got another episode um, for this Pride Month, some more Hans Christian Andersen, a story I've been waiting to read for a long time on this show. I think you're going to like it. But before we get to the bedtime reading... Uh, just want to thank our brand new patron on patreon.com, which is a website where you can go and uh, pledge a couple bucks to listen to an ad-free version of the show. So, this week's brand new patron, Aaron Wenick. Thank you so much, Aaron. I very, very much appreciate your donation. Um, it means a lot, and I hope you enjoy the poetry readings. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Aaron is a brand new patron on Patreon.com, which is a website where you can go and support creators of the work that you like. So if you would like to um, give back to the Sleepy Podcast, maybe it's become part of your nightly routine, maybe you've gotten some better sleep because of it, uh, just go to Patreon.com slash Sleepy Radio and donate even a dollar a month. It goes a really long way. Like I said, at $2 a month, you get to listen to a totally ad-free version of the show. And then at $5 a month, you get access to all kinds of poetry readings that are not on the regular podcast feed. But no matter how much you donate, I will read your name in the opening credits of the next show after you do. So again, if you would like to be a part of making the show, go to patreon.com slash sleepy radio. Thank you. And as always, the music hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski, and the cover-up for Sleepy is by Gracie Kanan. Well, tonight, um, I have another story from Sleepy favorite Hans Christian Andersen. And this is a story that I've been wanting to read for a long time now uh, it's been highly requested and that is the story of the emperor's new clothes this is a fantastic little story and um, I'll be honest part of the reason that I haven't read it yet is because it's um, it's very short it's a really short one um, which is surprising for how evergreen it has been in pop culture and how much of a favorite it has been to people for over 150 years now. That's very brief, but um, yeah, it's a beautiful, funny, quirky little story. And 
I always figured it was kind of too short for the sleepy podcast, but um, what we're going to do tonight is you're going to hear the story told once and then it will repeat itself um, so that you can stay asleep to the story and then it's going to repeat itself again. And another reason um, I'm happy to be reading this story this month is because, of course, it is June and um, it's Pride Month. And while Hans Christian Andersen was not openly queer, from letters that Hans wrote to um, his close people, we can almost certainly infer that he was deeply in love with a man named Colin um, and if you listened to last week's reading of uh, The Little Mermaid, uh, you might have heard me mention the story of Hans's uh, deep love for Colin and uh, Colin's eventual decision to marry a woman that, uh, and that broke Hans's heart. And he absconded to the Isle of Finn, which is where he wrote the story of The Little Mermaid which is a story of a heartbroken mermaid um, and unrequited love. And it is a beautiful and very sad story that all came from Hans's heartbreak. So, in honor of Hans and all the wonderful stories that he has given us, um, we're going to be reading The Emperor's New Clothes here tonight. So, without further ado... The Emperor's New Clothes by Hans Christian Andersen. And now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable. Close your eyes. And let me read to you. The Emperor's New Clothes Many years ago, there was an emperor who was so excessively fond of new clothes that he spent all his money in dress. He did not trouble himself in the least about his soldiers, nor did he care to go either to the theater or the chase, except for the opportunities then afforded him for displaying his new clothes. He had a different suit for each hour of the day, and as of any other king or emperor, one is accustomed to say he is sitting in council. It was always said of him, the emperor is sitting in his wardrobe. Time passed merrily in the large town which was his capital. Strangers arrived every day at the court. One day, two rogues calling themselves weavers made their appearance. They gave out that they knew how to weave stuffs of the most beautiful colors and elaborate patterns, the clothes manufactured from which should have the wonderful property of remaining invisible to everyone who was unfit for the office he held, or who was extraordinarily simple in character. 
These must indeed be splendid clothes, thought the emperor. Had I such a suit, I might at once find out what men in my realms are unfit for their office, and also be able to distinguish the wise from the foolish. This stuff must be woven for me immediately. And he caused large sums of money to be given to both the weavers in order that they may begin their work directly. So the two pretended weavers set up two looms and affected to work very busily, though in reality they did nothing at all. They asked for the most delicate silk and the purest gold thread, put both into their own knapsacks, and then continued their pretended work at the empty looms until late at night. I should like to know how the weavers are getting on with my cloth, said the emperor to himself after some little time had elapsed. He was, however, rather embarrassed when he remembered that a simpleton, or one unfit for his office, would be unable to see the manufacturer. To be sure, he thought he had nothing to risk in his own person. But yeah, he would prefer sending somebody else to bring him intelligence about the weavers and their work before he troubled himself in the affair. All the people throughout the city had heard of the wonderful property the cloth was to possess, and all were anxious to learn how wise or how ignorant their neighbors might prove to be. I will send my faithful old minister to the weavers, said the emperor at last, after some deliberation. He will be best able to see how the cloth looks, for he is a man of sense, and no one can be more suitable for his office than he is. So the faithful old minister went into the hall, where the knaves were working with all their might at their empty looms. What can be the meaning of this, thought the old man, opening his eyes very wide. I cannot discover the least bit of thread on the looms. However, he did not express his thoughts aloud. The impostors requested him very courteously to be so good as to come nearer to their looms, and then asked him whether the design pleased him, and whether the colors were not very beautiful, at the same time pointing to the empty frames. The poor old minister looked and looked. He could not discover anything on the looms, for a very good reason. There was nothing there. What? He thought again, is it possible that I am a simpleton? I have never thought so myself, and no one must know if I am so. Can it be that I am unfit for my office? No, that must not be said either. I will never confess that I cannot see the stuff. Well, Sir Minister, said one of the names, still pretending to work. You do not say whether the stuff pleases you. Oh, it is excellent, replied the old minister, looking at the loom through his spectacles. This pattern and the colors, yes. I will tell the emperor without delay how very beautiful I think them. We shall be much obliged to you, said the impostors, 
and they named the different colors and described the pattern of the pretended stuff. The old minister listened attentively to their words in order that he may repeat them to the emperor. And then the knaves asked for more silk and gold, saying that it was necessary to complete what they had begun. However, they put all that was given to them into their knapsacks and continued to work with as much apparent diligence as before at their empty looms. The emperor now sent another officer of his corps to see how the men were getting on and to ascertain whether the cloth would soon be ready. It was just the same with this gentleman as with the minister. He surveyed the looms on all sides, but could see nothing at all but the empty frames. Does not the stuff appear as beautiful to you as it did to my lord the minister? asked the impostors of the emperor's second ambassador, at the same time making the same gestures as before and talking of the design and colors which were not there. I certainly am not stupid, thought the messenger. It must be that I am not fit for my good, profitable office. That is very odd, however. No one shall know anything about it. And accordingly, he praised the stuff he could not see, and declared that he was delighted with both colors and patterns. Indeed, please your imperial majesty, said he to his sovereign, when he returned. The cloth which the weavers are preparing is extraordinarily magnificent. The whole city was talking of the splendid cloth which the emperor had ordered to be woven at his own expense. And now the emperor himself wished to see the costly manufacture while it was still in the loom. Accompanied by a select number of officers of the corps, among whom were the two honest men who had already admired the cloth, he went to the crafty impostors, who, as soon as they were aware of the emperor's approach, went on working more diligently than ever. Although, they still did not pass a single threat through the looms. Is not the work absolutely magnificent, said the two officers of the crown, already mentioned. If your majesty will only be pleased to look at it, what a splendid design, what glorious colors. And at the same time, they pointed to the empty frames, for they imagined that everyone else could see this exquisite piece of workmanship. How is this? said the emperor to himself. I can see nothing. This is indeed a terrible affair. Am I a simpleton? Or am I unfit to be emperor? That would be the worst thing that could happen. Oh, the cloth is charming, said he aloud. It has my complete approbation. And he smiled most graciously and looked closely to the empty looms. For on no account would he say that he could not see what the two officers of his court had praised so much. All his retinue now strained their eyes, hoping to discover something on the looms, but they could see no more than the others. Nevertheless, they all exclaimed, Oh, how beautiful! 
and advised his majesty to have some new clothes made from this splendid material for the approaching procession. Magnificent, charming, excellent, resounded on all sides, and everyone was uncommonly gay. The emperor shared in the general satisfaction and presented the impostors with the ribbon of an order of knighthood to be worn in their buttonholes and the title of gentlemen weavers. The rogues sat up the whole of the night before the day on which the procession was to take place and had sixteen lights burning so that everyone might see how anxious they were to finish the emperor's new suit. They pretended to roll the cloth of the looms, cut the air with their scissors, and sewed with needles without any thread in them. See, cried they at last, the emperor's new clothes are ready. And now the emperor, with all the grandees of his corps, came to the weavers, and the rogues raised their arms, as if in the act of holding something up, saying, here are your majesty's trousers. Here is the scar. Here is the mantle. The whole suit is as light as a cobweb. One might fancy one has nothing on at all when dressed in it. That, however, is the great virtue of this delicate cloth. Yes, indeed, said all the courtiers, although not one of them could see anything of this exquisite manufacture. If your imperial majesty will be graciously pleased to take off your clothes, we will fit on the new suit in front of the looking glass. The emperor was accordingly undressed, and the rogues pretended to array him in his new suit, the emperor turning around from side to side before the looking glass. How splendid his majesty looks in his new clothes, and how well they fit. Everyone cried out. What a design. What colors. These are indeed royal robes. The canopy which is to be borne over your majesty in the procession is waiting, announced the chief master of the ceremonies. I am quite ready, answered the emperor. Do my new clothes fit well? asked he turning himself round again before the looking-glass, in order that he might appear to be examining his handsome suit. The lords of the bedchamber, who were to carry his majesty's train, felt about on the ground, as if they were lifting up the ends of the mantle, and pretended to be carrying something, for they would by no means betray anything like simplicity or unfitness for their office. So now the emperor walked under his high canopy in the midst of the procession, through the streets of his capital, and all the people standing by, and those at the windows cried out, Oh, how beautiful are our emperor's new clothes! What a magnificent train there is to the mantle, and how gracefully the scarf hangs! In short, no one would allow that he could not see these much-admired clothes because in doing so, he would have declared himself either a simpleton or unfit for his office. 
Certainly, none of the emperor's various suits had ever made so great an impression as these invisible ones. But the emperor has nothing on at all, said a little child. Listen to the voice of innocence, exclaimed his father, and what the child had said was whispered from one to another. But he has nothing on at all, at last cried out all the people. The emperor was vexed, for he knew that the people were right, but he thought the procession must go on now, and the lords of the bedchamber took greater pains than ever to appear holding up a train, although in reality there was no train to hold. The Emperor's New Clothes Many years ago, there was an emperor who was so excessively fond of new clothes that he spent all his money in dress. He did not trouble himself in the least about his soldiers, nor did he care to go either to the theater or the chase, except for the opportunities then afforded him for displaying his new clothes. He had a different suit for each hour of the day, and as of any other king or emperor, one is accustomed to say he is sitting in council. It was always said of him, the emperor is sitting in his wardrobe. Time passed merrily in the large town which was his capital. Strangers arrived every day at the court. One day, two rogues calling themselves weavers made their appearance. They gave out that they knew how to weave stuffs of the most beautiful colors and elaborate patterns, the clothes manufactured from which should have the wonderful property of remaining invisible to everyone who was unfit for the office he held, or who was extraordinarily simple in character. These must indeed be splendid clothes, thought the emperor. Had I such a suit, I might at once find out what men in my realms are unfit for their office, and also be able to distinguish the wise from the foolish. This stuff must be woven for me immediately. And he caused large sums of money to be given to both the weavers in order that they may begin their work directly. So the two pretended weavers set up two looms and affected to work very busily, though in reality they did nothing at all. They asked for the most delicate silk and the purest gold thread, put both into their own knapsacks, and then continued their pretended work at the empty looms until late at night. I should like to know how the weavers are getting on with my cloth, said the emperor to himself, after some little time had elapsed. He was, however, rather embarrassed when he remembered that a simpleton or one unfit for his office would be unable to see the manufacturer. To be sure, he thought he had nothing to risk in his own person. But yeah, he would prefer sending somebody else to bring him intelligence about the weavers and their work before he troubled himself in the affair. All the people throughout the city had heard of the wonderful property the cloth was to possess, 
and all were anxious to learn how wise or how ignorant their neighbors might prove to be. I will send my faithful old minister to the weavers, said the emperor at last, after some deliberation. He will be best able to see how the cloth looks, for he is a man of sense, and no one can be more suitable for his office than he is. So the faithful old minister went into the hall, where the knaves were working with all their might at their empty looms. What can be the meaning of this? thought the old man, opening his eyes very wide. I cannot discover the least bit of thread on the looms. However, he did not express his thoughts aloud. The impostors requested him very courteously to be so good as to come nearer to their looms, and then asked him whether the design pleased him, and whether the colors were not very beautiful, at the same time pointing to the empty frames. The poor old minister looked and looked. He could not discover anything on the looms, for a very good reason. There was nothing there. What? He thought again. Is it possible that I am a simpleton? I have never thought so myself, and no one must know if I am so. Can it be that I am unfit for my office? No, that must not be said either. I will never confess that I cannot see the stuff. Well, Sir Minister, said one of the names, still pretending to work. You do not say whether the stuff pleases you. Oh, it is excellent, replied the old minister, looking at the loom through his spectacles. This pattern and the colors, yes. I will tell the emperor without delay how very beautiful I think them. We shall be much obliged to you, said the impostors, and they named the different colors and described the pattern of the pretended stuff. The old minister listened attentively to their words in order that he may repeat them to the emperor, and then the knaves asked for more silk and gold, saying that it was necessary to complete what they had begun. However, they put all that was given to them into their knapsacks and continued to work with as much apparent diligence as before at their empty looms. The emperor now sent another officer of his corps to see how the men were getting on and to ascertain whether the cloth would soon be ready. It was just the same with this gentleman as with the minister. He surveyed the looms on all sides but could see nothing at all but the empty frames. Does not the stuff appear as beautiful to you as it did to my lord the minister? asked the impostors of the emperor's second ambassador, at the same time making the same gestures as before and talking of the design and colors which were not there. I certainly am not stupid, thought the messenger. It must be that I am not fit for my good, profitable office. That is very odd, however. No one shall know anything about it and accordingly he praised the stuff he could not see and declared that he was delighted with both colors and patterns.
indeed. Please your imperial majesty, said he to his sovereign when he returned. The claw which the weavers are preparing is extraordinarily magnificent. The whole city was talking of the splendid cloth which the emperor had ordered to be woven at his own expense. And now the emperor himself wished to see the costly manufacture while it was still in the loom. Accompanied by a select number of officers of the corps, among whom were the two honest men who had already admired the cloth, he went to the crafty impostors, who, as soon as they were aware of the emperor's approach, went on working more diligently than ever. Although, they still did not pass a single threat through the looms. Is not the work absolutely magnificent, said the two officers of the crown, already mentioned. If your majesty will only be pleased to look at it, what a splendid design, what glorious colors. And at the same time, they pointed to the empty frames for they imagined that everyone else could see this exquisite piece of workmanship. How is this? said the emperor to himself. I can see nothing. This is indeed a terrible affair. Am I a simpleton? Or am I unfit to be emperor? That would be the worst thing that could happen. Oh, the cloth is charming, said he aloud. It has my complete approbation and he smiled most graciously and looked closely to the empty looms, for on no account would he say that he could not see what the two officers of his court had praised so much. All his retinue now strained their eyes, hoping to discover something on the looms, but they could see no more than the others. Nevertheless, they all exclaimed, Oh, how beautiful! and advised his majesty to have some new clothes made from this splendid material for the approaching procession. Magnificent, charming, excellent, resounded on all sides, and everyone was uncommonly gay. The emperor shared in the general satisfaction and presented the impostors with the ribbon of an order of knighthood to be worn in their buttonholes, and the title of Gentlemen Weavers. The rogues sat up the whole of the night before the day on which the procession was to take place, and had sixteen lights burning, so that everyone might see how anxious they were to finish the emperor's new suit. They pretended to roll the cloth of the looms, cut the air with their scissors, and sewed with needles without any thread in them, See, cried they, at last, the emperor's new clothes are ready. And now the emperor, with all the grandees of his corps, came to the weavers, and the rogues raised their arms, as if in the act of holding something up, saying, Here are your majesty's trousers, here is the scarf, here is the mantle. The whole suit is as light as a cobweb, one might fancy one has nothing on at all when dressed in it. That, however, is the great virtue of this delicate cloth. Yes, indeed, said all the courtiers, 
although not one of them could see anything of this exquisite manufacture. If your imperial majesty will be graciously pleased to take off your clothes, we will fit on the new suit in front of the looking glass. The emperor was accordingly undressed, and the rogues pretended to array him in his new suit, the emperor turning around from side to side before the looking glass. How splendid his majesty looks in his new clothes, and how well they fit, everyone cried out. What a design, what colors. These are indeed royal robes. The canopy which is to be borne over your majesty in the procession is waiting, announced the chief master of the ceremonies. I am quite ready, answered the emperor. Do my new clothes fit well? asked he, turning himself round again before the looking glass in order that he might appear to be examining his handsome suit. The lords of the bedchamber, who were to carry his majesty's train, felt about on the ground, as if they were lifting up the ends of the mantle, and pretended to be carrying something, for they would by no means betray anything like simplicity or unfitness for their office. So now the emperor walked under his high canopy in the midst of the procession, through the streets of his capital, and all the people standing by, and those at the windows cried out, Oh, how beautiful are our emperor's new clothes! What a magnificent train there is to the mantle, and how gracefully the scarf hangs! In short, no one would allow that he could not see these much-admired clothes because in doing so, he would have declared himself either a simpleton or unfit for his office. Certainly, none of the emperor's various suits had ever made so great an impression as these invisible ones. But the emperor has nothing on at all, said a little child. Listen to the voice of innocence, exclaimed his father and what the child had said was whispered from one to another. But he has nothing on at all, at last cried out all the people. The emperor was vexed, for he knew that the people were right, but he thought the procession must go on now, and the lords of the bedchamber took greater pains than ever to appear holding up a train, although in reality there was no train to hold. The Emperor's New Clothes Many years ago, there was an emperor who was so excessively fond of new clothes that he spent all his money in dress. He did not trouble himself in the least about his soldiers, nor did he care to go either to the theater or the chase, except for the opportunities then afforded him for displaying his new clothes. He had a different suit for each hour of the day, and as of any other king or emperor, one is accustomed to say he is sitting in council. It was always said of him, the emperor is sitting in his wardrobe. 
Time passed merrily in the large town which was his capital. Strangers arrived every day at the court. One day, two rogues calling themselves weavers made their appearance. They gave out that they knew how to weave stuffs of the most beautiful colors and elaborate patterns, the clothes manufactured from which should have the wonderful property of remaining invisible to everyone who was unfit for the office he held, or who was extraordinarily simple in character. These must indeed be splendid clothes, thought the emperor. Had I such a suit, I might at once find out what men in my realms are unfit for their office, and also be able to distinguish the wise from the foolish. This stuff must be woven for me immediately. And he caused large sums of money to be given to both the weavers in order that they may begin their work directly. So the two pretended weavers set up two looms and affected to work very busily, though in reality they did nothing at all. They asked for the most delicate silk and the purest gold thread, put both into their own knapsacks, and then continued their pretended work at the empty looms until late at night. I should like to know how the weavers are getting on with my cloth, said the emperor to himself after some little time had elapsed. He was, however, rather embarrassed when he remembered that a simpleton, or one unfit for his office, would be unable to see the manufacturer. To be sure, he thought he had nothing to risk in his own person. But yeah, he would prefer sending somebody else to bring him intelligence about the weavers and their work before he troubled himself in the affair. All the people throughout the city had heard of the wonderful property the cloth was to possess, and all were anxious to learn how wise or how ignorant their neighbors might prove to be. I will send my faithful old minister to the weavers, said the emperor at last, after some deliberation. He will be best able to see how the cloth looks, for he is a man of sense, and no one can be more suitable for his office than he is. So the faithful old minister went into the hall, where the knaves were working with all their might at their empty looms. What can be the meaning of this, thought the old man, opening his eyes very wide. I cannot discover the least bit of thread on the looms. However, he did not express his thoughts aloud. The impostors requested him very courteously to be so good as to come nearer to their looms, and then asked him whether the design pleased him, and whether the colors were not very beautiful, at the same time pointing to the empty frames. The poor old minister looked and looked. He could not discover anything on the looms, for a very good reason. There was nothing there. What? He thought again, is it possible that I am a simpleton? I have never thought so myself, and no one must know if I am so. Can it be that I am unfit for my office? No, that must not be said either. I will never confess that I cannot see the stuff.
Well, Sir Minister, said one of the names, still pretending to work. You do not say whether the stuff pleases you. Oh, it is excellent, replied the old minister, looking at the loom through his spectacles. This pattern and the colors, yes, I will tell the emperor without delay how very beautiful I think them. We shall be much obliged to you, said the impostors, and they named the different colors and described the pattern of the pretended stuff. The old minister listened attentively to their words in order that he may repeat them to the emperor, and then the knaves asked for more silk and gold, saying that it was necessary to complete what they had begun. However, they put all that was given to them into their knapsacks and continued to work with as much apparent diligence as before at their empty looms. The emperor now sent another officer of his corps to see how the men were getting on and to ascertain whether the cloth would soon be ready. It was just the same with this gentleman as with the minister. He surveyed the looms on all sides but could see nothing at all but the empty frames. Does not the stuff appear as beautiful to you as it did to my lord the minister? asked the impostors of the emperor's second ambassador, at the same time making the same gestures as before and talking of the design and colors which were not there. I certainly am not stupid, thought the messenger. It must be that I am not fit for my good, profitable office. That is very odd, however. No one shall know anything about it and accordingly he praised the stuff he could not see and declared that he was delighted with both colors and patterns. Indeed, please your imperial majesty, said he to his sovereign when he returned. The claw which the weavers are preparing is extraordinarily magnificent. The whole city was talking of the splendid cloth which the emperor had ordered to be woven at his own expense. And now the emperor himself wished to see the costly manufacture while it was still in the loom. Accompanied by a select number of officers of the corps, among whom were the two honest men who had already admired the cloth, he went to the crafty impostors, who, as soon as they were aware of the emperor's approach, went on working more diligently than ever. Although, they still did not pass a single threat through the looms. Is not the work absolutely magnificent, said the two officers of the crown, already mentioned. If your majesty will only be pleased to look at it, what a splendid design, what glorious colors. And at the same time, they pointed to the empty frames for they imagined that everyone else could see this exquisite piece of workmanship. How is this? said the emperor to himself. I can see nothing. This is indeed a terrible affair. Am I a simpleton? Or am I unfit to be emperor? That would be the worst thing that could happen. Oh, the cloth is charming, said he aloud. It has my complete approbation. 
and he smiled most graciously and looked closely to the empty looms, for on no account would he say that he could not see what the two officers of his court had praised so much. All his retinue now strained their eyes, hoping to discover something on the looms, but they could see no more than the others. Nevertheless, they all exclaimed, Oh, how beautiful, and advised his majesty to have some new clothes made from this splendid material for the approaching procession. Magnificent, charming, excellent, resounded on all sides, and everyone was uncommonly gay. The emperor shared in the general satisfaction and presented the impostors with the ribbon of an order of knighthood to be worn in their buttonholes and the title of gentlemen weavers. The rogues sat up the whole of the night before the day on which the procession was to take place and had sixteen lights burning so that everyone might see how anxious they were to finish the emperor's new suit. They pretended to roll the cloth of the looms, cut the air with their scissors, and sewed with needles without any thread in them. See, cried they at last, the emperor's new clothes are ready. And now the emperor, with all the grandees of his corps, came to the weavers, and the rogues raised their arms, as if in the act of holding something up, saying, here are your majesty's trousers. Here is the scar. Here is the mantle. The whole suit is as light as a cobweb. One might fancy one has nothing on at all when dressed in it. That, however, is the great virtue of this delicate cloth. Yes, indeed, said all the courtiers, although not one of them could see anything of this exquisite manufacture. If your imperial majesty will be graciously pleased to take off your clothes, we will fit on the new suit in front of the looking glass. The emperor was accordingly undressed, and the rogues pretended to array him in his new suit, the emperor turning around from side to side before the looking glass. How splendid his majesty looks in his new clothes, and how well they fit. Everyone cried out. What a design. What colors. These are indeed royal robes. The canopy which is to be borne over your majesty in the procession is waiting, announced the chief master of the ceremonies. I am quite ready, answered the emperor. Do my new clothes fit well? asked he turning himself round again before the looking-glass, in order that he might appear to be examining his handsome suit. The lords of the bedchamber, who were to carry his majesty's train, felt about on the ground, as if they were lifting up the ends of the mantle, and pretended to be carrying something, for they would by no means betray anything like simplicity or unfitness for their office. So now the emperor walked under his high canopy in the midst of the procession, through the streets of his capital, and all the people standing by 
and those at the windows cried out, Oh, how beautiful are our emperor's new clothes. What a magnificent train there is to the mantle, and how gracefully the scarf hangs. In short, no one would allow that he could not see these much-admired clothes, because in doing so, he would have declared himself either a simpleton or unfit for his office. Certainly, none of the emperor's various suits had ever made so great an impression as these invisible ones. But the emperor has nothing on at all, said a little child. Listen to the voice of innocence, exclaimed his father, and what the child had said was whispered from one to another. But he has nothing on at all, at last cried out all the people. The emperor was vexed, for he knew that the people were right, but he thought the procession must go on now, and the lords of the bedchamber took greater pains than ever to appear holding up a train, although in reality there was no train to hold. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.